Come on, church. Let's sing that one more time. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Come on, sing it with us. As the worship team continues to play at this time, I, I want to take a moment here and recognize all of those who are who work within the, the field of education. 
Um, if you're here this morning and, and you work anywhere in any one of our districts, in any one of our schools, whether that be college or, or at the high school, all the way down to the little kitty level, if you're here today, in whatever area you work in that department, would you please come up here to the front just so we can pray for you for this school year, for what's going on? Come on, look at this. In any area, please, any area, any department, in any one of our schools, please come up here to the front, guys. We want to acknowledge you. We want to thank you. We want to just extol what you are getting ready to get involved in. Here, let's scoot in just a little bit. I know you're trying to hide on the outside. There's nobody on this side. Hey, guys, psst, there's nobody over here. Teachers, spread it out. <laughs> come this way. <laughs> Yeah, well. Okay, teachers, y'all can't keep hiding that way. Come this way a little bit. Scoot this way. Come on. Come this way. Come over. Come here. Into the, like, if you see the light, where you see the light, get in that area. <laughs> Come on, teachers. Help me. We're setting examples for lots of students out here. <laughs> awesome. Guys, as they continue to play uh, this, this second song here. Our prayer for each and every, I'm going to get down here, I'll stare at my backs, my goodness. All right, let's give it a beat. My prayer, our prayer, all of us, is, is that you guys this year would be able to keep your eyes on Jesus. There's a lot. There's a lot. I, I don't envy your job at all. With it is the trust of a God that looks in you and says, this is exactly what I created in you, who I created you to be for this moment, for this purpose, for these kids. Kids that, gosh, sometimes even the parents say, what are you worth? I, 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 I hate that. I, I do. Y'all see it. Y'all know it. There's kids that come in with issues, with problems that some of us, we're, we're never going to understand. And a lot of times in our ignorance, we're going to throw out this generation or, or what is this good for? Can you believe they're coming up this way? Or if only they would, whatever. But, but you guys handle it day in and day out. And through it all, I do pray through the hurt, through the joy, through the pain, through the laughter, through every bit of it, that you would be able to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his face, that, that everything else here would just grow strangely dim. It just, that even the parent-teacher conferences would grow dim. All of it. But that you would be able to delight in his gifting in you, set aside for this moment, for this time, for this purpose, for these kids. Guys, if y'all will, if, if you're just in agreement with me, extend a hand in prayer towards them. We're just going to pray a blessing this year over them and over this school year. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hands 
for the feet, for the voices, for the minds, Lord God, that you have equipped, that you have prepared in advance for such a time as this. For kids this year, Lord God, that didn't see a chance, that didn't see a friend, that didn't see whatever, Lord God, that, that in the eyes and in the hands and in the heart of those standing up here today, that those kids, Lord God, would go on to become the leaders of our nation, the leaders in this world, Lord God, but maybe, maybe, maybe even more importantly, the leaders, Lord God, that come right back here to Paris, Texas, Father the leaders that come right back to our community. Father, we thank you for the gifting that you have already been working on in these lives standing here. And Father, right now, we pray for the minds that they would be open to hear and to listen. That they would be open, Lord God, to receive what it is that you have placed on the heart of these individuals. And that through it all, Lord God, through, through the joys, through the comforts, and as well through the storms, through the trials, that, that they would continue to keep their eyes focused on you. That they would continue to trust in you. Looking to you, Father, as the author, the perfecter, the finisher of their faith. Father, it's in the name of your son that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, guys. Y'all give them another big clap. Y'all guys, go ahead and, and let me have you make your way back to your seats as the band plays one more song. We're going to continue in worship, guys. Thank y'all for coming up. The worship team is going to continue to sing one more song for us. Amen. This next song is um, one that we've done in the past a while back, but I love it. And um, I always tell my kids... If you don't know how to pray, if you just speak the name of Jesus, you might not know how to pray. You might not know what you're feeling. You, don't, you might not know anything, but you can speak the name of Jesus, and he is there, and he knows, okay? So that's what we're going to do in this song. We are going to speak the name of Jesus.
call these lungs to sing once again. I will praise Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear.
Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Father God you did send your son Jesus that we could call upon his name and the darkness would tremble that our situation that we're facing and that we're dealing that peace would be brought into it because of the name of your son Jesus Jesus we lift you like a banner over our lives we lift you like a banner over our jobs and over our children and over our community, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. We trust you this morning. We trust you this morning, oh God. Thank you so very, very much, God. We are so thankful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Can we be a little bit grateful this morning to our God and our Savior? Thank you, Jesus. What are you thankful for this morning? Thank you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to keep kind of this worship going as we worship God with our tithes and our offerings, our giving our money back to God as a part of our worship. So ushers, come on forward. We're going to pray over that. and We're just so thankful. Thankful for what God is doing in our lives individually as families and Thankful for you guys being so generous and giving back into the kingdom of God and what God is doing in our community. We so appreciate um, all of you and what you've been obedient to God to do in your financial giving to this church and to this organization. And if you're a guest with us, please don't feel any obligation as that bucket passes. You're, you're safe, you're home, you're be comfortable. Don't feel, feel at ease this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so, so very much for this time of worship before you. Thank you that our hearts are being prepared to receive your word this morning. And Father, we just want to give back to you in this moment out of our financial resources, just making sure that we put you first in all areas of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you are a guest with us, thank you so much for coming. I just want us to give you a warm welcome. So welcome. I don't know if that sounded warm, but welcome. I don't know what that's, I guess it's just a cliche. I don't know what that's supposed to sound like. But anybody around you would give you a big hug. I guess that's warm. So um, unless you're not a hugger, then we just, you know, thumbs up. But uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, we do have a new here card. If you want us to know that you were here, you can fill that out. We'd like to send you a note of thanks. And there's a little checkbox on there that you can check if you'd like to receive a phone call or know a little bit more about our church. Um, there's a few other things that if you're interested in knowing more about Christian Fellowship Church, the next step for you as a guest would be the Start Here class, which happens every second Sunday of the month. And so I just want to welcome you as a guest. Also on your way out, there'd be somebody at the, the table there right in the center of the lobby um, to welcome you and greet you. We have a little gift for you. We'd love for you to have that as well as our guest. So thank you for being here. Thanks for coming. Um, one quick mention, I know Kimmy mentions it in the, in the video about our teacher supply closet. Teachers, I do want to kind of highlight that again. Like, we want to be a resource for you throughout the school year. We know that a lot of students, they bring their supplies in, and you kind of stock them up. 
and then at some point during the year, those supplies get low. We want to be a resource for you to help you restock those supplies. Um, that's what our teacher supply closet's for. We have a form online. You can fill that out. Tell us what you need. If we don't have something you need, we'll try to find it for you, okay? So that's there for you. Don't forget about us. We want to be a help and a support for you, um, our teachers, this throughout this school year, not just right now today that we brought you up here and embarrassed you and prayed over you. <laughs> no, you guys, I know, welcome the prayers, but uh, uh, just keep us in mind for on down the road. If there's something you need, let us know, okay? All right, with that, we'll hit our announcement video, and Pastor Corey will be coming up. Um, yes, teachers, a teacher supply closet, because look, we know, we know, we, we pretend we don't as parents. When you send home that, that list of supplies, we go home and we gripe. We, we do. I mean, like my, my oldest daughter, her first year going into, I want to say it was eighth grade or something was told she needed three notebooks and well, she bought one and used one for all three and guess what it worked and I didn't tell anybody at the time but I did it but but look coming up here like you know maybe not this week next week probably not even this month it's going to be in a few months we there's going to come a point where your classroom is going to be like just empty you've got nothing there's not a pencil to be had at those points, as opposed to what would normally come out of your own pocket, out of your own budget, out of your own family's fund, please call us up. Um, we have a teacher's supply closet that is begging to be used. Uh, so when you need something, please, please, please. All right. Um, yeah. Ooh, that was, that was loud. Uh, today, I'm ringing just a little bit in my ear, maybe only, maybe in yours too, but we'll figure it out and we'll keep going. Uh, today, guys, um, I, first off, how many, how many uh, got to hear Pastor Brandon last week bring the third miracle? Man, look, if you missed, <laughs> I'm telling you, if you missed last week, uh, even I was sitting there on the front row going, oh my God, I've never seen that. I've read that how many times, Lord, and I don't even, I've never looked at that. There's brilliance and there is something to be said about other people. Bringing the word of God. I, look, I love, I love, I love what I do up here. 
I like to believe I'm good at it. <laughs> Stop. But, but listen, I'm failing at my job if I'm the only one up here who ever speaks into your life. If you don't ever recognize that there's other people who are going to bring parts of this word alive that I may never even see, I miss out on the opportunity for you to grow. I also miss out on some really uh, great opportunities for vacation. But that's not the point. The point is seriously, literally, just so that you guys can hear the word of God. And in hearing the word of God, believe and live. That's the point. Each and every one of us hears differently. We receive differently. And so something new, brought by somebody new, presented new, all of a sudden springs new ideas within each and every one of us. Um, this week, we're going into the, the fourth of, of seven signs that, that John talked about in his gospel. In John's gospel, he listed seven signs that in his words, he said, should convince all of us that Jesus is the Son of God. He said, these seven signs, I've assembled this book that I'm writing, this letter that I'm writing, I've assembled it with these seven signs so that you would believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that... And that in believing in him that you would have life, eternal life. Not just, not just some mundane, yes, I'm a Christian and one day I'm going to get to go to heaven life, but abundant life here and now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? Look at you guys, man. Y'all know your stuff. On earth. And yet how often do we sit through our miserable trials thinking, there's no way I'm going to make it through this. What I have is not enough to get me through this moment. God, if, if only you could provide something here and now, then I'd be able to step forward into all it is that you have for me. Uh, John chapter 6 is, is the miracle of the Five loaves, two fishes, feeding of the multitude. One of the most, I'll say popular, miracles that Jesus performed. In fact, this miracle alongside the resurrection are the only two miracles that appear in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all four disciples each specifically thought this was so important, the resurrection and then also the feeding of the multitude, five loaves, two fishes. The story that, that we throw around to, to kids, it's a Sunday school story, right? I mean, I mean that's, that's like, it's, it's cool for Sunday school, but, but what can we learn from it here? Regardless of how many times you may have read it, heard it, talked about it, heard somebody else talk about it, I, I, I pray, I pray and I believe that God wants to speak new life into you and into your situation, wherever it is, no matter what hell you may think you may be in. Uh, I want to read real quick in John chapter 6, starting in verse 1, read with me, it says this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. 
Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one to have a simple bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But, but how far will they go amongst so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples then to those sitting down as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Uh, there's a line in there. It says, he said this to test him. He said this to test him. I, uh, I, I, it helped this week being our, uh, our teacher appreciation. We're, we're praying over, over everybody in the field of education. And, and I'm sitting there thinking about the field of education. And immediately you start thinking about the things you loved. And the, the things you didn't love. I would, I would dare to presume across this room there's a high percentage of us that didn't like tests. The rest of you were nerds. <laughs> That's terrible. If you're teaching your kids, you're not supposed to say names. Kids, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But to the adults, you know. We don't like tests. Predominantly, each and every one of us, we, we, we don't. We, we don't like tests. Why? Why do we not? We dread tests. Because in our minds, we dread tests solely because, because we see it as an opportunity to fail. Every test, every situation we face, we, we, we have a, a tendency to, to kind of bucket, to, to, to guard ourselves against tests because, because it's an opportunity for us to fail. But the, the point, the point of a test, the point of a test is, is, is to ensure your comprehension in an area so that you can then move on to the next area, the next level of study. So the point of a test is to encourage growth. Not hinder it, not keep you from it, but rather to encourage you into it. So then similarly, when, when we face trials that test our faith, when we face situations that we wouldn't wish upon an enemy, 
in those moments in our mind, we have a tendency when life throws us a curveball, when, when all of a sudden there's, there's, there's an addiction that, that we can't overcome and, and we keep sitting there and we're fighting it and we're struggling and we're fighting and we're struggling and, and we can't overcome. Or, or, or maybe, or maybe there's, there's a marriage that's falling apart. And in your mind, it's, it's gone. It's over. Like it, it, everything that I've put into now is, is signed off, is, is gone. And in our minds, we see these trials, we see these struggles, we see these hurts. And, and in our minds, we tend to lose heart because somehow we think we've failed or, or we think that God is out to fail us. We've failed God, maybe even. But that's not the heart of a teacher. That's never the heart of a teacher. The teacher, the teacher wants you to grow. The teacher wants you to succeed. The teacher wants for you to be prepared for whatever next level is awaiting you. And, and, and I think we miss this most of the time. Just as important as, as it is for the teacher knowing you can succeed at the next level, the point of a test is also so that you know you can be confident in, it, confident in the fact that you can succeed at the next level. The test isn't just for the teacher. The point of a test is that you know you can succeed at the next level. I heard this said, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. God wants you to be able to trust your faith. God, as the teacher, wants you to know that your faith can be counted on, that he can be counted on. So, so while God will never tempt you, hear that. God will never tempt you. God will allow tests. To prove to you that you are able through him because he is able to do all things exceedingly abundantly above anything that we could even begin to comprehend or think. That's who he is. That's the point of a test. So, so then in the middle of a trial, in the middle of health, is it possible then for you to be able to redirect your mindset, your train of thought to say, God's testing me because he wants me to grow. He wants me to grow in the confidence of who he is. He wants me to grow in my belief in him so that I may live. Is it possible the trials, the tests that you face or that you're maybe even currently facing are simply just tests for you to be able to grow? Coming back to, to, to this, this story, uh, a, a context, a little bit of context in, in, in what was going on. This is, um, so, 
of the four disciples, every single one of them mentions this miracle. Five loaves, two fish. And, and, and that alone should, should, should let us know that there's some weight. There's, some, there's, some, there's something behind this miracle that every single one of us, some prominence, some weight that we should take recognition of, that we should look into. Just by sheer volume alone, this was the largest miracle that was witnessed by, uh, by, by there, was, there was no other miracle that was witnessed by as many people. We know that, we know that uh, John says there were 5,000 men, but, but in Matthew's account, in I think it's 1421, he tells us women and children also, 5,000 men, women and children also. So the custom of that day was to count according to heads of household. People would travel, and as they're traveling, they would group together in families, and when they got somewhere, they would sit together as families. The family culture was, was very prominent. And so you'd go around and just count heads of household, count family groups. 5,000 men, so on top of that, there's women and children. There's upwards, upwards of 20,000 people that witnessed this miracle. 20,000 people that were a part of a miracle. So, so already there's, there's a lot of people and, and, and the reason, because, so Jesus was, uh, I, I, this is, most scholars put this, this miracle basically in the third year of, of his ministry. So this is well along Jesus doing his miracles. People are talking. He's gone to this town, to that town. He's, he's visited different areas. And in visiting these areas, performed a miracle here, did this there. He, we know all the way back at the beginning, of, we talked in week one, at the very beginning of his ministry, he did the miracle in Cana of Galilee. And since that moment, word has kind of just been spreading, been moving. He's, he's gone to different places. He was at the pool of Bethesda last week. So already people are, are they're, they're buzzing, they're talking. On top of that, there were, there's, there's three different pe- uh, feasts or celebrations within the Jewish culture that are, are traveling, traveling feasts. In other words, no matter where your family ended up settling, wherever you're living, everybody would come back to Jerusalem for this particular feast. Three of those different feasts, so three times a year, wherever they lived, they would gather together, travel, not, not like hop in a plane and jump over to Oklahoma City real quick. Either predominantly by foot over, over rocky, nasty terrain. Maybe, maybe if you're wealthy enough, you might have a, a donkey, possibly a camel, right? And, and if the kids, but okay, the kids, oh, there's no iPads. Days, days of travel. Days. <laughs> Not like, hey, kids, we've got an hour and a half to Broken Bow. Here's an iPad. Shut up and sit in the back. (laughs) I love kids. This is going to sound so terrible. Don't take clips of this message and disperse them in little minute segments, please. Um, But none of that existed. Days, days of travel. 
to a location where, where you, you're not very familiar. You don't know where to go to eat. You don't know where you're going to be able to sleep. You don't know where you're going to be able to lay your family down at night. Where is there going to be room? Is there going to be enough? Am I going to be able to? Can There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And because everybody is now coming in, like closing in on Jerusalem, there's even more people. And all of these people bringing their stories from their towns about what Jesus did and what they heard and how they heard. And all of a sudden, somebody somewhere pokes up and says, hey, hey, we're, hey did y'all hear? I, I think I saw Jesus and, and his disciples. I think they're over there on, on, on that mountain. They're sitting down. Yeah, let's go. Everybody wants to see a miracle. Everybody, this is their chance. They've heard the stories. They've heard the rumors. But, but traveling the whole land is not an option. But now they're back in Jerusalem. Jesus is here. Let's get them. Let's find out. Let's see a miracle. I want to see something. I want to see something. I want to see something. Everybody gets excited. They, they rush in on Jesus, his disciples. And, and when Jesus lifts his eyes, Scripture says he sees all these people. And in, and in his mind, what he sees is people that have been traveling for days. People that may still not know exactly where they're going to lay their head that night. People that are tired, they're weary, they have traveled for a long time in groups of people that they don't know. They're exhausted. And they're certainly hungry. And in that moment, in that moment, he turns to Philip and he says to him, hey, Philip, uh, where do you think we should go buy some bread for these people? <laughs> Philip, come on. Hey, Philip. Where should we go? Where, where should we? We got to, there's some people coming. We need to pick up some food. Where should we go? Puts it on Philip. He puts it on Philip. Philip, Philip was... Philip was uh, one of the very first disciples asked by Jesus to be a part of his ministry. So, so Philip was there like all the way back to the beginning. It's, it's been three years now following Jesus. So, so Philip, saw, Philip saw the miracle of the water being turned into wine. So at the very moment when, when everybody was about to panic because they didn't have what it was they thought they needed... Philip saw Jesus not panic, not all of a sudden look up at all the disciples and say, hey, oh gosh, guys, what are we going to do? I need each one of you to go run down to the local grocery store, the corner store, and each of you pick up a bottle of box wine so we can make this happen. Jesus didn't freak out. Jesus, Jesus didn't scrounge to pick up the cheap stuff. What did Jesus do? He provided a miracle that provided bathing tubs, like, like 20 to 30 gallon bathing tubs of the best wine that anybody had tasted. Miraculously, right? Philip saw that. He knew how Jesus operated. And so Jesus asks him, Philip, what do you think? What should we do? What, what do you think that I, Jesus, could do here in this situation for all these hungry people? What, what, what are we going to do? And Philip did exactly what most of us do. He panicked. 
Abba, wow. God, it's a thought. What do we do? What do we do? I don't know. That's what we do every time we face a situation. Every time we face a situation, we've seen him move the mountain. Oh, we know he'll do it again. But in this moment, I just want to panic because I don't know. (laughs) He responds by saying, look, are you serious? Are you kidding me? If I had six months worth of wages, even then, even then I couldn't afford a simple bite for these So already, Philip is not just looking at what he doesn't have being food, he's also looking at what he doesn't have being provision to provide. I I don't have the money to make this work. I mean, like, if I worked the next six months, I couldn't make this work. Like, I, I I don't have enough. But, but the very next verse tells us that, that Jesus didn't ask this question because he was really, really wanting to go shopping. He didn't ask this question because he, he wanted to, you know, run down to the local store and, and buy up a bunch of food and prepare the best meal that any one of them had ever seen. Right? Jesus asked this already knowing what it was that he was going to do. So then... So then this was just a part of the test to encourage growth. Not to identify failure, to encourage growth. But Philip panicked. He's he's witnessed so many miracles already. And, and maybe, maybe for, for Philip, it was, it was easy to believe some of these others. Maybe it was, it was easy to believe the, the, the miracle at the pool of Bethesda. Maybe it was easy to, to have tasted the wine, to have seen that whole situation. Maybe it was easier for these other miracles. But here, for whatever reason, in this situation, he panics. He immediately kind of falls back on human understanding mode. Human understanding mode. I've, I've found for myself it's, it's, easiest, it's easiest to shift into areas, uh, or it's easiest to shift into my own understanding in areas wherever I'm kind of most familiar, most comfortable. It's easy to shift into areas that, that, that I all of a sudden take back control of what it is I've prayed to God for because, well, I, 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 can, I can handle this one. I'm familiar. I know this. I got, I got this. I, uh, familiar familiar is, is a, it, it's a difficult word to use. There's, there's probably a better word and, and an English teacher here could probably share it with me, but Familiar. It's it's and and the point of this series is that we become familiar with who Jesus is. But there's a level of familiarity that also just becomes apathetic. Where in our desire to become familiar out of the love that we have, all of a sudden we become complacent and we end up familiarizing ourselves and falling away from the love that drew us initially. Familiar, they're both familiar, but you can become overtly or, or maybe too familiar. 
I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe here in this situation, Philip became familiar with Jesus. It, this was the third year of his ministry. He, he had seen Jesus do different things. And, and so because he knew Jesus could do this and could do that, maybe, maybe he boxed him into this. This is what Jesus does. And it was filled with great things. I, I mean, he had these great box of things Jesus could do. But, but once it was a situation outside of that box, all of a sudden it was, whoa, whoa I, I, don't, I don't know what to do here. He wasn't, he wasn't certain. His familiarity with Jesus had grown into just a, a complacency maybe. I, I would ask each and every one of you, where to in your life are the areas that it's hardest for God to work? What familiar places do you have a tendency to, to all of a sudden shift into logical mode? Human understanding mode. For some of you, it's, it's around your family, maybe, maybe in your home. For others, at work. But there's areas where you, you've, you've grown complacent. You may call it confident. But what areas in your life is God not able to move simply because you don't recognize the box that you've placed him in? There's a familiar area in your life where, where you put Jesus into a box. You put him into the limitations of what's possible through your own strength. And if it's not possible in your own strength, then it's not possible. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is now constrained by this. And as much as I love this, this isn't all that. I, I mean, really? We, we place Jesus into these areas of what am I confident in? When Jesus wants to, he, he wants to shake up the very stagnant, dying areas that you're so confident in. Because he wants to bring about the growth that he already sees capable in you. He wants you to believe and live. All right, so just as Philip says, it's not going to work. Uh, the other gospels tell us that Andrew brings up this, this little boy. Um, Andrew brings up this boy. I don't, I don't know how this, this, maybe he was in one of the family groups that was close enough to overhear Jesus talking to the disciples. And, and in his mind, you know, he hears, Jesus, where, where, where are we going to get all this food? I don't know. And they're talking about food, and, and he gets excited, and he runs up. And in my mind, there's this little kid, and he's like tugging on Andrew. And Andrew's, Andrew's talking with the big boys, right, talking with the disciples, talking with Jesus. And there's this little kid, tug, 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 and he kind of looks down. Shut up, kid. Leave me alone. I'm talking to Jesus. And he's talking, talking, talking. And then this kid's like, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, and hands him a bag. And in, in my mind, I could see, you know, it's a lunchbox. And, and Andrew looks down and, <laughs> thanks, kid. Hey, guys, mm, got five loaves and two little fish here. Huh. And then he even says, he even says, but how is that going to do anything here? 
How is that going to do anything here? In fact, all of the disciples right before this, all the other gospels tell us, all the disciples chime in and say, Jesus, please send them home. Just tell them to leave. We, we, can't, we can't do this right now. <laughs> Come on, be honest. We've all been there. For the disciples, just uh, it, so the disciples had just been sent by Jesus in, in these little ministry groups. To, 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 they had been traveling around, and, and Scripture talks about that they had been trying to cast out demons, and it, it worked, it hadn't worked, it had worked, it hadn't worked. And, and there was just this whole, like, ministry trial. We're going to go out there and get it done. And they were pouring themselves out in all these little towns, traveling themselves. And now, now they finally, they get back to Jesus. They just want to unwind. They want to tell him how it went, how it didn't went. When right before this as well, he's approached. He's approached by some followers of John the Baptist who approach Jesus, saying, Jesus, John the Baptist, you know, John, your cousin. Your cousin's been beheaded. So at this very moment, the disciples, are on top of just the, the agony, the hurt, the pain, the struggle, the weariness of the travel, of the ministry, of peopling. And then on top of that, they find out that John the Baptist, like some of them had been following him before they, they, they came along with Jesus. This was, this was John. This was Jesus' cousin. This is like the start of this whole ministry. He's, he's dead, beheaded. Look, I, we just need a process. We can't, I can't do all this right now. And so they asked Jesus, please, let, can you just send them away? Can you send them away? Here's, here's what's beautiful about that. It, it, scripture tells us that uh, in, in Mark's gospel, it says that Jesus, when he saw the great multitude approaching, it says he was moved with compassion for them. The, the word compassion is actually translated, what it literally means is that his stomach was so moved with compassion for them that he, he nodded up. His stomach nodded up into just this, this painful angst, this, not angst, this, this yearning, this, this fire within that was just so burning for these people. Matthew goes on, excuse me, Mark goes on and he says because like, this burning within him was there because they were like sheep who needed a shepherd. The heart of a teacher. He cared. And so Mark says, and so he began to teach them many things. So then as they're approaching, as they're weary, as they're tired, his first, his first thought was, I'm going to give them the word of life. Every one of the miracles that we see through Scripture is always for another point. It's not for the point of the miracle, and yet we so often find ourselves looking for the miracle. The point of this whole period, this sitting down, was that so he could teach them, so he could part, impart into them. He wanted them to experience abundant life. He wanted them to believe and live. Um... This next bit's where it kind of gets a little wild, a little crazy. The little boy tugs on Andrew. I've got a lunchbox, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, look what I got. Five loaves, two fishes. 
and Andrew says, he admits, but how far will this go among so many? And not just two fishies. Like, Scripture's clear. John writes, two little fish. I think at times, very often, we're tempted to not use what we have because we think it's not enough. That is to say, what, what I mean is, is the very thing in your heart that you know that you know that you know that God wants to do, you will tend to think, if I only had this, if I also knew this, if, if I had their privilege, if, if I had whatever, then I could do whatever. We find our excuses, we find our reasons. And yet all the while, God is saying, no, give me what's in your hand and I'll unlock what's in your heart. Give me what's in your hand and watch me unlock what's in your heart. We tend to look at our lives constantly and think, I, I, don't, I don't have the greatest gift. I, I, don't, I don't have the greatest ability. And we do that because we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people's gifts, to other people's abilities. The greatest danger, the greatest danger for each and every one of us is when you've been given a little, you won't allow God to use it to do what he wants to do through you. Scripture's clear. It says each and every one of us have been given a measure according to what God has given, right? Each and every one of us have been given a measure, and yet every single one of us will compare our measure to somebody else's and say, my measure is not able to. Or we'll compare our measure to the situation and say, well, my measure is not able to. Jesus could have picked anyone. But he picked, he used, he chose a kid with a lunchbox. Don't despise the smallness of your ability. Don't despise, do not despise the smallness of your resource. What, is, what does that look like for you? When I have time, then I'll serve. When, when I retire, then, then I can volunteer. When I'm rich, then, then I'll be able to give, then I'll be able to tithe. No. Give him your little fish and your cheap bread. Regardless of how big or or how big you how big you think it is, how big you feel it is. In those moments will you choose to say, Jesus, it's not much, but whatever I have, it's yours. Jesus, it's not much. I, 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 don't, I don't have much, but, but my resources, my time, my, my abilities, even my inabilities, God, they're yours to make a difference. And then, and then in the middle of your situation, in the middle of your hell, can you be thankful? 
notice this. Jesus, Jesus breaks the, the loaves and fishes uh, uh, and, and gives thanks. John says he gives thanks for it. Think about this with me. Jesus is holding not enough. No question about it. Five loaves, two fish, not enough. He's holding not enough and yet still gives thanks to God for it. Philip, Philip just admitted that they don't even have the money to provide food for everybody. And yet in the middle of not having the money, Jesus still gave thanks for it. Can you, can you thank God even when you're holding not enough? Even in the times when you don't see how, even, even when you're looking at an impossible situation, can you thank him anyway? Can you hold not enough money in your bank account, not enough resource for the desire in your heart, and yet still be thankful in the midst of it? First Thessalonians tells us to be, it's, it's God's good and perfect will that, that we should be thankful in everything. In everything, not for everything. Mind you, there's a big difference, and I think a lot of times we, we tend to, to miss that. We're to be thankful in everything, not necessarily for everything. What that means is in the middle of your worst circumstances, you can still stand up and be thankful Thankful in, not thankful for, but thankful in. Can you be thankful even in your worst circumstances? Things begin to change in your heart and in your life, even in the world around us, when we have a grateful spirit. When we have a grateful spirit while standing in the midst of, in the middle of an impossible problem. Uh, as I close... I want to bring out one, one kind of big final note here. I'm going to invite the, the band up to close this out. But uh, I, I love this. And, and this, this is something that I, I hadn't noticed myself quite often every time I read this. But Jesus didn't hand the food out himself. I, I mean... It's Jesus, right? I, I, he, he could have snapped his fingers and, and everybody had a fish sandwich. He could have. But he didn't. He broke it and he gave it to the disciples. He gave it to them to distribute. Why? Why? Jesus, Jesus didn't need a little boy's lunchbox. Jesus didn't need Philip's advice on where to buy food. Jesus didn't need his disciples. Jesus didn't need his disciples, and yet, and yet he wanted to influence them in such a way so that when he was gone, they would go on to do greater things than even he had done. The heart of a teacher. He wanted to influence them in such a way that they would do even greater things than he did when he was here. 
the disciples, again, the disciples, they're tired, they're weary, they're exhausted. They've just heard the news that John the Baptist has died. But they've asked this question before. They've asked this question before. They've seen him move the mountain, and they forgot that he could move it again. Chapter 4, two chapters earlier, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and, and, and the disciples come up to him, and they ask him, Jesus, you look famished. We, we need to get you some food. You're hungry. Jesus, let's, 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 let's go find some food. And at that moment, Jesus responded to them, what feeds me is to do the work of my father. What feeds me is to do the work of my father. So here, in this moment, Jesus, people have gotten excited about what it is Jesus can do. And now Jesus is he's letting them be a part of the miracle. He knew they were tired. He knew they were exhausted. He knew they were weak. But he knew, he knew their strength would only come through pouring into others. Pouring into others. The beauty is that's his heart for you and I. That you in every situation would always be asking, who can I bring along in this journey? Who can I involve? <laughs> he could have distributed uh, the fish, the bread, but, but he handed it to others. He let them have that opportunity. He delighted seeing them get involved. Guys, <laughs> we've got to have that mentality. We've got to have that mentality, a mentality that looks for who can I release? Who can I train up? Who can I send out? Who can I bring with me, invite to church? Who can I invite to, to, to a Bible study, a small group, to, to a group of guys just getting together to discuss life and how awesome God's been in our world? Who can I invite? Who can I bring? There's a, a, a passage in this whole thing that says, The text says they ate until they were as full as they wanted. As full as they wanted. So each person, each person walked away with as much in his or her belly as they wanted. I wonder in my mind, because again, so not only do the disciples get to be a part of this, this miracle, but, but the disciples don't know how much you're going to eat within a family. So, so they have to break the bread, break the fish, give it to a family, and now that family gets to be a part of the miracle too. They're breaking it for their family. They're seeing it multiply. Everybody there saw the provision, saw the multiplication. Ooh, can you imagine? Oh, I've got little fish here. Mama, here you go. You take half. I'll give the kids the other half. I'll, I'll, I won't eat today. And there's like a whole fish. It's like, what the, wait, I just, I gave you half, right? All right, well, let's, here you go, Junior. Oh, what the, <laughs> I mean, you're getting excited about it. Who was in that group? Still looking at the little fish, thinking, well, well you, you guys, you guys go ahead. Y'all eat. I don't, you know, just in case, I don't, 
Are you still looking at the miracle of God through the eyes of smallness? They ate as much as they wanted. I, I, I can only imagine there were some that, that didn't eat as much as others. Not because they didn't want to, but because maybe they were hesitant to. They were scared to. They thought it would run out. They didn't know. You can pray as often as you like. You can get involved as often as you like. You can, you can come to church 52 days a year. Or, like studies show, you can show up once every three, four. You can get as full as you want. You can get as full as you want. But it's still an all-you-can-eat buffet. Whether you eat a little or a lot, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> That's what God has available for us. And yet, what do we do? I'm talking about buffets and you're getting hungry. Y'all are like ready to check out and go. He said we're leaving. He said I'm closing. Let's shut this down. I, I, uh, can you recognize, can you trust Jesus in your situation? Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you're working through right now, your trial, your pain, your mountain, can you trust him in this situation? Can you recognize that the purpose of this test is to encourage growth? God is not out to fail you. The teacher wants you to grow. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be prepared for what awaits you. And just as important as him knowing that you can do it, he wants you to know that you can succeed. God wants you to be able to trust your faith. God wants you to know that your faith can be counted on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close here. There's one, there's one line, verse 15. Uh, we're not going to get to it today. It's a simple line that most skip over. It says, Jesus knew the people were wanting to make him king, so he got alone to be with the Father. The very next miracle after this, I think, reveals a warning to all of us. A warning to all of us. It's a warning that says if we revel in becoming familiar with, with who he is, that's great. But don't allow the miracles that we get to become a part of, or, or, or better yet, don't allow the miracles that we get to be a part of to, to all of a sudden get into our heads where we lose sight of who the provider is. You're going to have to wait to hear about that miracle until next time. And not even next time because next week I'm, I'm going to be taking my daughter um, off to college. I know there's a few other parents here who have already done the same. And right now I don't care. This is my time. Um, so I, I'm excited. Pastor G is going to be bringing, uh, bringing the miracle next week. And then I'm going to wrap up with the follow-up of this one the following week. But... Uh, Guys, look, what he's going to be bringing next week is good. And even though mine today is a setup for two weeks from now, and that's really when you want to be here, you want to be here next week. You can get fed as much or as little as you want. You can get fed as much or as little as you want. 
you'll stand with me, I'm going to close. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord God, I thank you for your son. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for for who you are, for everything you're doing in our lives. And and I thank you as well, Lord God, that, that you love us and that you see in us and trust in us, Lord God, things that that we don't even trust in ourselves yet. Father, I pray that you would help us to to see the joy in the tests, to be thankful, Lord God, for what it is that we do have, even in those moments, as opposed to panicking or, or feeling like we're a failure to you, to others, to people around us. Let us keep our eyes focused on you. Let us keep our eyes focused on you. Even in our hardest moments, Lord God, I pray, I pray today that we would stand firm knowing we're simply being tested. Maybe not even knowing what for, Lord God, but we know and we know that you do. And in knowing you do, Father, we can rest in the knowledge that you're in control. You're in control. Right now, across this room, as as I pray, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's people here and you know there's a situation where where you've tried to hang on to control. I think that's that's a key word. It's control. We we sit there and we think, I can handle this situation. Whatever that is, if, if there's an area where you know you've held on to control, but this morning you want to give it to God and let him do something outside of the box, just real quickly raise your hand. Whatever situation, whatever issue, whatever the thing is going on in your life, whatever mountain circumstance you face, if you just can give it to God this morning, raise your hand with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Father God, right now across this room, for the hearts of those with their hands raised, the issues, the hurts, the turmoils, the things that they are going through now, Lord God, I pray that they would all grow strangely dim in the light of your glory, in the light of your grace, Father. This we pray in the name of your Son. Amen, amen, amen. Guys, I pray that y'all have a blessed, blessed, blessed week. God bless you all.